0: Friday night Betfair Edge with Miles Fitzner and Tom Haylock. Get more from the Aussie Summer of Cricket. Find better odds at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Call 1800 858 858.
1: Welcome and hello to the Friday Night Betfair Edge. Miles Fitzner with you, all thanks to Betfair, of course. Get more from the Aussie summer of cricket. Find better odds at betfair.com.au. And as always, gamble responsibly. It's the return of the Friday Night Betfair Edge. And the co-host with the most, Tom Haylock, he couldn't join us, so we've just upgraded. We've gone one better. We go to Darren Parkin, formerly of SCN, now Betfair. Dash, hello to you, mate. Great to do a show with you.
2: Absolutely, Miles. Hopefully, he was listening to to, uh, to to that Tommy wherever he is. But um, yeah, great great to be on. There's so much happening. I know we're going to talk a bit of tennis later on. It it is the season for that. Um, obviously, your voice is holding up after the the big bash heroics of the Adelaide Strikers on the, the Thursday night. So yeah, looking forward to sinking their teeth into it.
1: Fair to say, I had to go and lubricate um a little bit after that dash. It was one of those games you couldn't go home and go straight to bed. You had to to go and just take care of the throat for 15 minutes um, yeah, with, with a nice ale, just to calm yourself down a bit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's as good a reason as any, I think, to, to probably
1: jump onto that. But, um,
2: but yeah, it's one of those games that I think stays in the head for a while and bounces around. And, um, yeah, amazing finish. And I know we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but, that's been the the highlight. Has been the batting in in this tournament. Uh, I was looking it up last night. That the six of the seven highest scores in Big Bash history have come in the last 12 months, and five of them this season. Um, and obviously, one of them didn't even win the game last night in in the Hurricanes. So, yeah, that the bat has been dominating and. Obviously, Fahim going for 61 or three and a half overs is um testament that some of the bowling hasn't been fantastic.
1: Well, the big bash is back, isn't it? Yeah. It's back, well and truly, and you can try to find holes in it or say you're off it or whatever, but it's. I find myself, I think people that genuinely like cricket, are, are, they're flicking over or they're turning it on most nights.
2: And I think at the moment, a lot of that might have to do with how lacklustre the the test summer has been, unfortunately. Um, We know that the West Indies, we probably didn't expect much from them. That was one-sided. We certainly expected more from South Africa. Uh, It hasn't been forthcoming, even with the ball. I know that they were lauded as a very good attack with weak batting, but conceded 600 in the last test and 500-plus in in this test as well. So, um, yeah, I think we've turned a big bash because we want a bit of competitive cricket as well.
1: It's... But is there an element of that we've fallen out of favour a little bit with the Australian cricket team? Is Possibly. there still it still feels like that, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, it does. I think there's I don't know whether they're, they're transitioning, sort of trying to transition back into our our hearts a little bit. But um, you know, there was all of the controversy around the sandpaper thing four or five years ago. Then obviously Tim Payne's dismissal as captain was another chapter, and Justin Langer. There, yeah, Justin Langer. That there's a heck of a lot going on in, in that space. And, and obviously, I think cricket, more than any other sport, needs to be competitive. If you ask football fans out there and they say, oh, you're going to rock up to the game today and you're going to win by 118 points, you'd be like, oh, fantastic party time. But if you win every cricket match by that equivalent, so by an innings or by 300 runs or whatever, it gets very, very tedious. I reckon cricket has to be competitive, even for the winning team, I reckon, to, to truly be embraced.
1: We need a dr- storyline or some drama.
0: Yeah,
2: I reckon that, you know, those ideal test matches are, you know, 300, 300, 250, 250 those sorts of matches where it's a good contest between bat and ball. Um we're just not getting that. I mean, you, you basically see an Australian batsman come out, they'll put on 180 in quick time, and then South Africa will come out and get rolled in a session and a half and then go in again in a session and a half and it's all over. It's, it's very difficult to watch what is effectively a net, a net session for, for Australia all summer.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit out of favour with the test side of things. I just think that a few of these narratives and, and even look at... There's an element of the way it's also broadcast now. Yep. I think on on TV that there's a little bit too there's too many gimmicks. I've, I've said this all the time, and hey, if I'm getting into winding territory, hang on, we need to do something. Then <laughs> we're doing this. Um, I, I've missed this. I've missed this segment dash, and I'm sure it'll be something that uh, that you love uh, more and more, especially when you're right in the thick of it. There's nothing better than the labing. Uh, we've got an ongoing. To, we've opened it up now. That at any stage, if we want to whinge over the next hour, we just give that a little two-second run, and, and we can go again. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll continue on what I was saying in that that the the narratives that they've got around partners and stories and off-field, and you know, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Mm. I, don't, I don't care. I, I don't need to hear from anybody else other than the player, or, or, or to talk about the match in regards to cricket. It's not. It's turning into more entertainment and glitz and glamour of wags and all this, and, and good luck to them and their families and all of that. We don't need to hear from from them. It's not part of the broadcast.
2: Yeah, and players on commercials and things like that. Yeah. I mean, my, mine's you know, in a cricket space. Tom mentioned um, last night on Layback with Betfair as well, and I think it's a very valid one that cricket continues to get in its own way as well. I mean, there are some archaic rules that that logically should have been fixed a long, long time ago. I mean, this Sydney Test match, for example, as every Sydney Test match is, has been impacted by the weather. It happens every time there. And no one will ever be able to adequately explain to me how you go off for three hours for rain, you come on and play for 35 minutes and then take a 40-minute scheduled lunch break, which is not required because you've just spent all of that time off. Then you've got the other rules where if it's wet, you won't come back on, but if it's that same level of moisture in the air when you're playing, you won't go off. It's it's a case of, well, you can't start in this, but it's not enough for you to stop in it. I'm like, well, can you play in it or not? And then the issue is, got all this time to make up. We're off for bad light at 4.30 in the afternoon. Why don't we turn the lights on? We're playing at the SCG. Are you ridiculous. And And the counter argument is, oh, well, it, it changes the conditions of the game. I'm like, so you mean to tell me that a test match played over five days won't have changed conditions Disions? where <laughs> yeah. you come you come out to bat in the morning and it's sun, sunny and 32 degrees, and then at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it's, it's overcast. Uh, then you've got, you know, it'll, it'll, you'll be batting in conditions that are favourable. The pitch changes all the time. The outfield changes all the time. Um, I think cricket does a lot of damage to itself by simply refusing to embrace logic i mean it's similar to the melbourne cups 24 barrier you know no emergency thing it's a rule that is logical to fix but just no one wants to do it
1: so essentially you're putting cricket in the way in Dash. just the,
2: the cricket admin, <laughs> the cricket administrators i mean it, it just seems bewildering i mean i think it's it's common sense for everybody watching it going well why
1: don't you do that it'll fix that problem but just
2: no one will
1: and it's 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 odd um we, jeez, we got down the cricket rabbit hole there pretty quickly. <laughs> I, I'm going to come out full guns blazing here. Oh, uh, Prince Harry, he's lost a plot. He can get in the bin again. <laughs> this this book that's accidentally been leaked, where he's come out and he said, "I got in a fist fight with my brother." Well, you and and um, and 3.5 billion it? people <laughs> right around the world. Um, it, you know, it talks about um, how many people he was he was um, involved in fighting with while while in the Taliban or ISIS or whatever it was. Um, you know, how how uh, how he's had arguments with the family, um, that he's gone and done things as a kid that he shouldn't have. I mean, this bloke has lost it. He's completely and utterly lost the plot.
2: And it's very difficult, I think, for any member of, I know he's sort of ex-royal family, but technically still involved. It's hard to invoke much sympathy in, in those situations. I guess when you've lived your life with a... Uh, The silver spoon in the mouth and all of that sort of stuff. You're thinking, well, what are the problems you're talking about? Are you know pretty irrelevant by comparison to others? And obviously, he and and Megan did that documentary. um, The other book. (laughs) The other book. But wasn't there things in the documentary where they invited people to come along and film them, and then complained that they were getting too close? And then, well,
1: they they in the documentary they showed photos. And said, see, we're unable to escape the paparazzi. And then the person that took that photo came out and said, I was requested to be there to take that photo by them. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing is is a stage PR exercise that, that, and they don't realise that because they do have the silver spoon in their mouth, that there is zero sympathy for any of them. And to make it even worse is they're whinging, like they expect the public to feel sorry for them.
2: Yeah, it's almost as if Harry's sat there and gone, oh, what am I, seventh in line for the throne? I'm never going to be king, so I can just do whatever I want. And sooner or later, it's you know rubbed a few people up the wrong way. And obviously, I know Megan being something of an outsider and that she's American and I think she's been married before and all of that sort of stuff. It's very different to Kate Middleton or even Diana, I think, when she started, although she rocked the boat as she uh, as she went along. But... Yeah, it's uh, the royal family, I think, is already on the nose um, with Charles and all of that. But, um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine there's going to be too
1: many people sitting there going, oh, you know, poor old Harry. What our privacy release, a doco, then a book telling everyone <laughs> everything and all you're doing it, all it is, is you're doing it for money. You are then, nothing and, short of a greedy. They're germs, germs. And he'll
2: often come out and say, "Oh, you know, I still want a relationship with my brother. Then, then don't tell stories about belting the crap out of him. Then,
1: well, or, or him belting the crap out of you're, you, or him belting f- the crap out of you. Like, I mean, if you want to build I, a relationship, build a relationship. I belt the crap out of my brother, and he belt the crap out of me. That's <laughs> <for> your brothers. <laughs> that's, that's right. I mean, we'd do that. We'd do that over the TV remote. Let alone, yeah. what are they worrying about? Whose polo pony they're taking out for the weekend? <laughs> like, give me a spell. <laughs> who gets the tickets to the uh to yeah. the opera that night yeah or who's who's front row at Wimbledon who's got to sit two rows back the... <laughs> <laughs> who gets to meet federer first oh yeah yuck it's just disgusting <laughs> Hey, um what else have you got something else for the lay in um probably
2: looking at the 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 situation around the um the the big bash Overall, I think a lot of the bowling and a lot of the standard of, of bowling can absolutely get in the, the lay bin. I think the decision from some captains as to sort of who's bowling late and how they're planning that, where, you know, it might be the Renegades where they've got the likes of Richardson and Hussain up their, up their sleeve, but it ends up being, you know, someone with less experience like Will Sutherland bowling the last over. I think um, part of what we've seen with the batting has been a deterioration in bowling and a deterioration in tactics, so... Yeah, it's, it's good for the good for the viewer,
1: but I'm not sure it's all that smart. Yeah, the execution's been poor by some of them, and even the captaincy execution has been poor. I'm going to – the rule that you can jump up and throw the ball up in the air, that yeah, Michael Mises catcher that can get in the lay bin. I mean, that's ridiculous. You could do that 10 times. Um, that That's silly. It's been silly for some time.
2: Imagine if you hit it out of the MCG onto Jollymont Road, and the guy just starts hopping his way back into the stadium one uh, uh, at a time. Uh, so. It's like a hacky sack. It's one of those ones where it's a correct umpiring decision, but it's a bad rule. Bad um, rule, yeah. It it just, I mean, you can't hit a ball eight meters over
1: the rope and be out. I would think. No, oh, it's it's ridiculous. Nothing short of it. Uh, anything else catch your eye that you want to bin?
2: Um, interesting one in in tennis. I think the the conf- I know we're going to have a chat to Steve soon, but the Nick Kyrgios versus what what are your thoughts on this comment? I know some people will put it in the lay bin, but Nick Kyrgios saying. I've had a big year, I want to let my hair down on New Year's Eve as his reason for not playing in the United <laughs> Cup for Australia. Oh, I've It's never very been,
1: Nick. No, well, th- this is the whole thing. Nick will come out, you know, Nick will come out this summer and he, he's got his PR agent, their publicists and all this and all that and he'll be Mr Nice Guy. He'll do something that'll be public looking and try to get everyone to fall in love with him again and then he'll go back to being himself, which is all about himself, up himself. Uh, now, he's... There's two arguments to it. He's box office. He's blockbuster. You want to go watch him. But that's because he's got a fuse as long as my um, small finger. (laughs) Love watching him play. Just never been a fan.
2: And the other thing that sums him up is I think he's playing in the French Open this year for the first time in five years. And the reason he's playing in the French Open is because his missus wants to go shopping in Paris. So there you go.
1: Ridiculous. So let's jump to our first break on the other side of this. Let's talk more tennis. Steve Quick to join us from Ace Previews. We've got... uh, Sandown card we're going to do in Around the Grounds a little bit later on. Tom Haylock may even join us for some tips. Best bets, Friday forecast. Lay of the day. Plenty more to come on the Friday night Betfair Edge. Miles Fitzner, Darren Park and all thanks to Betfair. Back and lay big bash markets. Play your way at betfair.com.au. As always, gamble responsibly.
0: Friday night, Betfair Edge with Miles Fitzner and Tom Haylock. Back and lay all big bash markets. Play your way at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858.
1: Welcome back to the Friday Night Bedfair Edge. Miles Fitzner, Darren Parkin with you. All thanks to Betfair. Get more from the Aussie summer of cricket. Find better odds at bedfair.com.au and as always, gamble responsibly. It's not just a cricket dash that we can get more out of on Betfair, it's tennis time. And when we talk tennis here at Betfair and making money, we only talk to one man. And that man's name is Steve Quick from Ace Previews. We love him and he joins us for the first time this summer. Hello, Steve.
3: Hello. How are we, guys?
1: Um, well, I, uh, mate, it's Christmas for you. I know that was uh, yeah, coming up a couple of weeks ago, but this is Christmas for you. Tennis absolutely everywhere and you don't have to be up late at night for it.
3: I know, what an absolute treat. Yeah, Christmas does come a little bit later for me and other tennis fans, but
1: look, it's it's been off to a, a
3: big start with the first week of the tennis and looking forward to seeing what happens between now and the end of the Australian Open.
2: Well, Steve, what do you think of the... We know that Novak, every time he comes to Melbourne, is, is clearly to play at a beat, but we look at the back end of last year and, and Felix Auger, Aliassime, Holger Roon, they were a couple who finished the year really well, but both of them have been a little wobbly, at least in their first game of, of this year. Um, who would you have out in front as the, the leader of the chasing pack if it's not them?
3: Yeah, look, it is a bit of a tricky one. I mean, Novak did obviously get that first win through by uh, defeating Immigration this time around. So that's great that he's been able to actually make his way into the draw. To be honest, when you look at it, you look at the fact that, you know, Novak's probably going to be seated fifth. Um, and, you know, I'm then kind of looking to the other players that are seated kind of sixth, seventh, and eighth has been kind of away from him in the draw, at least for the first quarter. The name that stands out for me is Daniil Medvedev. I, I think he's, he's just fallen under the radar a little bit with these other names kind of you know, threatening Novak in the, the latter end of last year. Um I think, you know, he's sitting around that nine dollars at the moment and you know you know what you're going to get from Medvedev. Um he's shown that, that the conditions here do suit him so long as he stays out of the extreme heat conditions that can sometimes pop up um in the, the latter part of January. But I think Medvedev if I had to pick of the the bunch that's trailing behind Novak, I think he's the the one that stands out to me at the moment.
2: Yeah, he's uh, eight eighty or thereabouts on the ex- exchange at the moment. Uh, last two finals, obviously beaten by Djokovic a couple of years ago, and then probably should have beaten Rafa last year based on the position he was in. I guess the two that are either side of him are the, the Spaniards. Carlos Alcaraz has had a few injury niggles, and Rafa I think has lost the first two games of a season for the first time in his entire life. So, um, yeah, I think that there's a bit of a bit of strength in that claim. Can can Alcaraz get going? Do you think?
3: Look, it's going to be a massive test for him. You know, coming off, obviously, what was a huge 2022, won the US Open. He's now become, in many ways, the hunted um, in in the men's game. You know, looking at the $8.60 there, he did get injured at the end of last year and I've only seen him play and lose a couple of exhibition matches. It's really hard to make a call on him without seeing him on court. And it's hard to go from playing not a lot of tennis to, you know, to win the tournament. He's going to need to play, you know, seven matches at best of five. Um, it, it's going to be tough, I think, for Alcaraz. And I think the same for Nadal. As you said, it hasn't been a great start to the year for him. Um, lost two matches now to Norrie and Demon, or having won the first set in both of them, which is a little uncharacteristic for Nadal. So it is tricky to see. You know, we're another year older, everything becomes a little bit more difficult. So it, it is tough to see those two top Spaniards in the, in the market as being genuine threats at their current prices.
2: People like Nick Kyrgios or Nick Kyrgios in particular always a slightly risky bet because generally speaking, they're going to be a little bit under the markets, a little bit under the odds based on, uh, I guess, that homegrown sentiment where, you know, as much as you acknowledge him as a legitimate chance, it's when when an Australian competes uh, anywhere around the world, if we're backing them here in Australia, generally, you've got to be a little bit careful.
3: Yeah, I think you do, and obviously Nick is, is one of uh, Miles's favourite players, so we'll, we'll just touch on Nick, first of all. I mean, you sitting around that, that... You can't back that, him because 20... he blows
1: up and walks off, Steve. <laughs> I, I
3: think the thing you need to consider with Nick is that obviously he's very volatile on the court, so... You know, you could fast forward three weeks and that $23 could look great value. But, you know, when you look at what's happened over the last couple of years, the fact that he hasn't played any lead-up tournaments to date. He might play Kuyong. He might just play a practice match against Novak. We don't really know what he's going to be doing. It's hard to really see how, again, a bit like Alcaraz, how he could play seven matches with best of five in these conditions on hard court um, with such little preparation coming in. So, I think Nick's just a bit of a, a watch and wait at the moment. When you look at the other Aussies, I mean, you can kind of scroll down and, you know, you've got Alex Demonor at around the 200s. He's going to be seeded. Um, he's, you know, you know what you're going to get, I think, is is what's important with Demonor if you're thinking from maybe more of a trading and a back-to-lay perspective, that he might be one to consider. And you know that you're going to get the crowd behind him, you know, wherever he plays on whatever court.
2: In terms of... Players that, just before we move across to the, the women's side, players like Stefanos Tsitsipas. I think I read somewhere, oh, in fact, looking through his data, I think he's won 37 matches in the first two slams of the year, but only eight in the last two. He does start very well at the Australian Open and the French as a general rule. I think he's been a semi-finalist in Melbourne multiple times. He hasn't been the same player since Djokovic beat him in that French Open final, but is there any value in him or a player that's at exactly the same price on the exchange in Yannick Sinner?
3: Look, if I had to pick out of those two at the moment, I would probably side ever so slightly with Sinner. Um, but I think the yeah, the tricky thing with Sipsipas is, as you said, that his season seems to go off the rails a bit once he hits the grass of Wimbledon, and he doesn't seem to handle that very well, and then it's all kind of downhill from there. I think Sitsapas has shown through the United Cup that he is kind of you know, edging back towards you know, what is a semblance of his best tennis. He you know, did have some injury issues last year, the start of the year in particular. So he did play well, all things considered. I think he, he's worth considering, but I think for, for mine, you know, in my opinion with him, I need to see where he falls in the draw. I think I'd be more inclined to go with him if he falls in the other half to Novak and he's going to have a little bit of time to kind of build up to a potential match there. Um, but I think you know Yannick Sinner with Darren Cahill on board as, as his coach, you know, as part of the coaching team. I think he's one to to really keep an eye on, um, and should be able to make his way through to the the second week. But he is again another who doesn't particularly like the extreme heat. Old Yannick?
2: No, uh, that's a, it's a very good point. The Italian's going pretty well, three in the top twenty at the moment, and and he one of those. Uh, one thing we've always said about. Or in the last decade at least in tennis, is that the men's side has been a battle between a couple and the women's side's been wide open. I'm, I'm guessing that's not so much the case anymore with the Iga Fiontech train, eight titles last year, two slams, and she's uh, not unbackable but extremely short. So who would you have as the, the, the leading chance to, to knock her off in Australia?
3: If I had to pick a leading chance right at the moment, I would actually say it's probably on Jabour because I know that she's going to be on the other side of the draw to her, at least in the the early instances of that number two seeding. But I think when you look through it, I I think the players that are most likely to throw Shriotek off her game are kind of those big power hitters that, you know, from my opinion, I don't think can play at that redlining top level for seven matches to win a Grand Slam. Um, But the likes of, uh, you know, Alexandrova or even a Yelena Ostapenko or, um, you know, those type of big hitting players could potentially throw her off if, if Shriatek was to, to face either of them or, you know, other similar players early in the tournament. Um, outside of that, though, it, it's, it's really slim picking, I think when you kind of work down, particularly before a draw has come out, but two that kind of have caught my eye at that longer rod are the Veronica Kutumatova, who has looked really good in a, in a you know, for the part of 2022 and has been starting to show some more consistency in her game and reaching quarterfinals and reaching semifinals and, and going deep in tournaments. And the other one who's you know, largely on the comeback trail but has just broken back into the top 100 is um, Marketa Vondrusova, who mm. um, you know, was, was sitting around the, the $100 mark a couple of days ago. Has come in a bit with some strong performances in Adelaide. But it's another one just to consider as an, an unseeded floater who might be able to pick up a, a weaker seeds draw and, and make a little bit of a run.
2: And uh, I guess a final one from me, looking around the, you know, about Adelaide and we've got tournaments coming up in, in Sydney. Is there anything you, you like over the next few days, at least on face value? Yeah, it's got um, some money. sort of standing out for you? Uh,
3: well, I'm being a little bit optimistic at uh, 9 o'clock tonight by thinking mm-hmm. that uh, Dennis Shapovala has a chance against Novak over in Adelaide. Yeah. Um, sitting around the, the six, $6 there at the, um, at the money line. So it could be a, a back-to-lay option there. But I think just looking to the the Saturday afternoon uh, men's United Cup matches that are on, I do like the two favourites in the the men's tomorrow. I mean, they're only just slight favourites, but Taylor Fritz to beat Hubert Hercatch and um, Sitsapath to defeat Berrettini. They're probably two that have, have caught my eye across the weekend.
1: Steve, looking forward to chatting uh, to you right throughout the summer. You've made us money year in, year out for the last few and uh, looking forward to making a fair bit more, my friend. Uh, You make sure you get some sleep. Uh, Stay off the grog. Eat really healthy. Uh, We need you in fine form, (laughs) mate, for us right throughout the Aussie Open. I'll do my best. Thanks for having me, guys. Steve Quick there from Ace Previews, an absolute ripper. Uh, He's as as good as there is um, as in expert edge in one sport. Um you don't see too many of them, but he's a freak like that, isn't
2: he? He's brilliant. And he, he popped up on layback with Betfair last night and, and he did mention that Medvedev push and I think he's spot on the money with that. For a bloke who's made the last two finals, who's one of the only guys that seems healthy in those top four or five in the market. Um, I think he's very much onto something there and, and his Vondrasova tip. I think it was a few days ago he back there for the tournament, 100 into 29. So uh, it shows the power of his money, uh, what he's been able to do there.
1: Yeah, it's um, the amount of back to lays we had just off the oh, back yeah. of him last year was phenomenal. We're going to jump to a break. This is the Friday Night Bet Fair Edge. Miles Fitzner, Darren Park, I'm with you. Back and lay all big bash markets. Play your way at betfair.com.au. And as always, gamble responsibly. On the other side of this, we'll try and run through the Sandown. Card will also do around the grounds. We've still got the Friday forecast best bets and lay of the day to come. Back in a moment.
0: Friday night, Betfair Edge with Miles Fitzner and Tom Haylock. Get more from the Aussie summer of cricket. Find better odds at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858.
1: Well, welcome back to the Friday night, Betfair Edge. Miles Fitzner, Darren Parkin with you. All thanks to Betfair. And you can get more from the Aussie summer of cricket and tennis and find better odds on BetFair.com. Tom dot dot Uh Dash, well, it's a time of the show where we go to our card of the week. We can't do our card of the week because the, the bloke that's not here, that only works intermittently, um, <laughs> just said, that, like, I can't do any of the heavy lifting. I'll just come in and pinch it and do the tipping stuff. His name's Tom Haylock. He joins us. So uh, hello, Tommy.
4: Great to be with you both. Um, yeah, just in an Uber on the way to the casino at Gold Coast for the Magic Millions. Miles, when do you get here? It's uh, I'm
1: not. <laughs> I, I won't be on my way up. And uh, we've already done the lay bin. Surely you've. Uh, you, you don't come in without a whinge. Never.
4: Did, did Did you pinch mine? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, hang on. About we need, test hang cricket on. and well, the bad light, the well, price he pays
1: for. Uh, you know, if you're going to
2: wander in, you, you risk having that stolen. Well, you you need to do this. <laughs> hang on.
1: What have you got
4: for us, Tommy? <laughs> Well, test cricket. Oh, no, we've I been there. Like, Sorry, going to have to cut you off. Already been done. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, I have a, can I have another one? Airports. Airports oh. is prone to lay bins. You're a big one on this, Fitzy. You only sit on the window seat. If it's not window, you, you're nowhere. No. Nope. Um, people people that take 10 minutes in the, the cubicles in, on planes. sit there. There's eight people waiting to go to the bathroom in the plane.
1: Well, people. Well, is there people in there? Because I've got a fair idea what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm, I'm going to let that one go through to the keeper, boss. well. Well, I,
1: I, I don't go to the toilet on planes Go before you get on the plane Yeah, you, sometimes nature calls, mate
4: But it's hard for you on your window seat So yeah, you I get your private one up the top of the plane The pointy
1: end Yeah, yeah 1A, 1A only Hey, it's time yeah. for our card of the week uh, We're going to go to Rose Hill because you haven't done sand down So you've thrown me under here We'll kick it away You got to
0: know when the whole
1: Card of the week time, Rose Hill. Dash, I think you're going to walk us through it.
2: Yeah, I think you're, you're going to bypass a couple of the, uh, the, the highways. So it's a 10-race program. We can probably ditch two of those. So we'll start at the race number two on the card over the 1,500 metres,
4: guys.
1: Tommy, do you want to go and then I'll follow you in since you're the Sydney Yeah, expert? I'll go
4: first with all these, and you can just copy my tips, Fitzy. That works well. <laughs> um Pretty... <laughs> Pretty tricky race, race two, um, 1500 metre race. I've got number 12, Samana, on top for uh, Maranusa. It's just lightweight on the up. Gone for a lot of horses on the way up uh, in this card. It's a pretty tricky meeting, but the rain's still hanging around. So it's going to be interesting to see what we're on on Saturday. But Samana on top for me in the second 50. Which way are you landing?
1: Spoke to the track manager this morning uh, that may even just start in the heavy range with a little bit more rain. May. If it's in the heavy range, this is a... uh, There's a disclaimer. I won't be having a bet at Rose Hill at all. Uh, Will not be touching. Um, uh, Interesting this. Resonator, Green Shadows. um, This will be the one. They're probably the three. Not a race I really want to bet into. Um, Oh, sorry. Resonator's out. Um, I'm going to be Green Shadows. Um, Yeah, maybe. But no bet for me. I just want to ignore this race. Haven't done a lot on it.
2: Race number three over the 1,100 metres. Uh, again, bigger fields uh, than we're seeing at Sandown, but uh, how are you
4: playing, Mo, um, Tommy, in the third? Um, I am with Noreto Trial World, but I'm with Passagiotta. Now, This uh, it's hard to step up from a Gosford thousand metre race to a fair 1,100 metres at Rose Hill. It's a pretty big, steep uh, rise in class for the filly, but... I'm with her. I just loved the way she won first up. She trolled superbly darren um prior to that debut and I've followed her on debut when she was short priced. she justified that i that oh well, that race that win rated really well. She went fast early fast late high rating race fifty two kilos she drops four kilos from a win. I know this is harder. the market might take her on guys because of that step up in class, but um I'm with her. I just think she's a bet at about two 10, 220. She might even drift further from that. It's a winnable race. So I've got her on top, Passaggiata.
1: Tommy, two play here for me. Uh, I'm with Espresso up the top here at an each way price. Um, and then I'm just going to have the saver uh, on Passaggiata. I think that's a danger. I think Narito's the other one that can come into it. But I'm, uh, I'm a decent play on Espresso the one each way.
2: We jump race four into race five over the 1,500 metres there. Tommy, with you.
4: What are we doing with Frumos, smiles? Well, I'll get to that in a minute, but yeah. I've I've got Osbre's Osbread Osbre Flirt on top, um, just because I don't know what to do with Fromos. I mean Fromos has been beaten dollar ninety, dollar sixty, three dollar sixty and two ten the last four. Only place one of those. Starts at short odds every start. Barrier one might not suit either. Um Osbred Flirt will be up and rolling out in front, flying. Um, Josh Parr, really good jo- uh, jockey booking for this uh, horse More a wide barrier. So I've got her on top. She's a mare in form, but no confidence because Fromos is just so scary.
1: Osbred Flirt on top for me. One of the, I, I think, better plates. I'm going to go for a hamburger with the lot here. I'm going to lay Fromos. I've laid it to the last two Ooh, times. Like I'm going to lay again. Now Inside draw. I know it's two from four. On the soft. If it's a heavy deck, it brings Frumos into play more. So on a soft deck, I I'm agree. still with Osbred. But if it goes heavy, then I won't be laying Frumos. Uh, I just think you might want the middle of the track and want some options. I think Joshi Parr will have them. I think the horse is going well. Running behind Astadio Mestala uh, was a pretty good last start. Happy to risk Frumos. Osbred Flirt on top.
2: So a potential lay on the exchange race number six, fourteen hundred metres, uh, and uh, Tommy, your play for this one.
4: I'm with Frenelli here. Just a horse that's up and going off a win um, mid-prep trial, five-week freshen up. As I said, uh, got plenty of tactical speed. Doesn't mind a wet. Um, runs through every conditions and. He's just a horse on the way up. He's a winner. He's won five and 14. So I've got him on top. Cuban Royale is actually airborne, um, flying this horse, career best form for the uh, eight-year-old. But Rennelly on top in a race I'm not too bullish about either.
1: Uh, race six, not really much of a fan here, to be perfectly honest. Five, eight, four, and nine. My numbers, five, eight, four, and nine. So Cuban Royale on top for me. Varenly second, Shaquiro third, and the nine, Bold Mac to round them out. But Cuban Royale on top.
2: A bit of silverware in race seven, the listed January Cup over 2,000 metres. Uh, your thoughts, Tom?
4: This could be the hardest race I've ever had to do the form for. I know there's only 13 runners. Um, has got six horses coming through the Summer Cup. Now, of those, all the favourites ended up um, running really badly and um, a lot of outsiders won the race or finished ahead and like the likes of Bertabeck who started $26, ran third and all the the horses at big odds ended up um, running well. It was a complete aberration of what the market was saying. It's because they went so fast out in front. Grand Slam set a huge tempo, a really fast tempo out in front. And you go from that on a good four at Ranwick to a slower tempo here to Rose Hill on a wet track. It could Anything could win this. I've got no idea what to do with that lead-up race. I've got Alias um, on top. If, if that wasn't hard enough as well, Waller's got four runners. So God knows... Um, I've got Alice on top, just bringing different form, but n- no idea. You go wide in your multiples.
1: Uh, if the track goes close enough to a, to the the easy soft side rather than the heavy side, I'm going to be with Bertabeck each way here up the top. Not a huge race I'm going to be launching into, but if it gets too wet, this horse can get too far back. It'll be too hard to make ground. So still need to be able to make a little bit of ground. If you can, Bertabeck for me each way.
2: Race number eight, 1,500 metres. Currently 16 runners in this one, Tom.
4: Yeah, with um, Waller, Nashville Willa. He's the go-to jockey on the program for Chris Waller, Nashville Willa, with um J-Mac riding up on the Gold Coast. JMac's actually got one in the last... No, race eight it is on the Gold Coast um, called Head of State. I love uh, that horse. So you can follow that at the Gold Coast race eight at a big price. But Estadio Mestalla here off a win... Follow that typical um, Chris Waller profile. We know Dean Watling-Miles has been talking about this. First up, and then they fail second up. This horse did exactly the same. He's now fourth up into his campaign. He beat Ospread Furt last time. He's a nice horse on the way up. He's won three from four, and I think he can win uh, this race here, race eight on the program, the benchmark 78.
1: As long as it's not a heavy deck, Estadio Mastata should be taking care of them. The three on top for me, clearly.
2: Race number nine, the penultimate on this card, over the eighteen hundred metres. Tom,
4: Darren, don't use words like that for miles. You have to. I'll tell you what that means <laughs> after. Oh, oh, Fitty, swear to God. Jeez, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, another very tough race. Who do you like here, Fitty? Because I've got no
1: idea. <laughs> I've got a big F next to this race, and it doesn't stand for field. Um, no, it does. If field in the quaddy. absolutely no idea. Worthily, Logan Street Line and Irish Legend would be my top three. That's the one, two, and three. And then add Dr. Evil. Um, you could also maybe add na- um, uh, Naval Seal wide open. No clue whatsoever.
4: There's um, going to be a lot of scratching, so it's really hard to tell tonight. Wait till tomorrow morning. Um, there's six, five emergencies and, yeah, a lot of scratching. It's hard work. So do the form again, race morning.
2: So the final race on the card over twelve hundred metres. Um, Tom, your thoughts on bringing it home? Fitzy,
4: um, dynamic impact ring a bell to you, mate? Yep. Yes. Well, bit of head wobble for me there. Um, I'm against him here. I, I actually want to <laughs> stay on him. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to lose. Does on it ring him a bell? I'm against right. him. Yeah, fair <laughs> I, I just wanted to tell you that I tipped him at thirteen plus
1: start, but um, that's half promise anyway. of promises successes price. Yeah. That's right. Did you tip that, did you? Yeah I did, thirty odd bucks. Um
4: <laughs> Dynamic Impact. Um I wanna say, but I don't want to lose if he wins the race. But I've got Pizarro on top. This is a really good race. Kalino ran really good splits last start to win first up. Super for a horse that i followed at the trials and then first and second up just shapes like he's gonna peak. peak. But I'm with the freshie here in Pizarro. He's done nothing wrong in his um career. He's still on the way up. Love this trial both trials actually, um, since his last run and I think he's a really nice horse, drawn perfectly, a lot of speed on. He gets a suck run from Barrier four. Barry just needs to find breaks at the right time, and Pizarro's on top, but I don't want to lose if Dynamic Impact wins, because that win first up in his trial
1: prior was enormous. You've looked at my notes. Pizarro, probably second best on the card for the day. Uh, Pizarro, uh, one out in the quaddie for me. Pretty simple. Hey, um, have you got something around the grounds before we go? Do you want to quickly do around the grounds with us or not?
4: I just gave you head of states race of eight to the Gold Coast. You know
1: how this show works. Wait. It's around the ground. You can't, you can't. speak without the buttons. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> A bit of radio craft needed. <laughs> oh, here we go.
4: Right, on, What have we got? Um, yeah, head of state race of eight, Gold Coast. Um, Chris Waller, j Mack, combined. Nice gear changes. First up, good trial. Um, big price each way for me. And I've got one tonight coming up at 7 p.m. Eastern, Twilight Affair, short but sweet. She's a class horse. She's trolled up really nicely, and uh, I think she can win. Um, Jasiri, I did my first-ups win, so I could say, but I think you just back back the first-up uh, Twilight Affair if it's not a uh, genuine heavy track.
1: Uh, we'll say goodbye to you, and then I'll read out around my ground so that you don't steal them. Tommy, you have a great <laughs> trip and uh, have fun at the casino. Just text them to me, mate. I'll see you up here soon. (laughs) See you, (laughs) Tommy. Tom Haylock there. I've got a few dash around the grounds. There's a couple I like at Sandown. They're not Inundation and Detonator Jack. They should both win, but they're too short. I've got uh, Race 3, number nine, Worst Fold. And then Race 8, number one, Unflinching are the two at Sandown. And then on the Gold Coast, I think uh, Bel Air, number five, in the first. Um, I think. Uh, one queerer, I think that's how you say it, race five, number nine, and then race six, number nine, Alentia. Um, They're going to be the three up there that I'm going to play. Let's jump to a break on the other side of this. I'm looking forward to see what you have, Dash, for the Friday forecast, the best bets in the lay of the day. Plenty more to come on the Friday night Betfair Edge. Back and lay all the big bash markets and play your way at betfair.com.au.
0: Friday night, Betfair Edge with Miles Fitzner and Tom Haylock. Get more from the Aussie summer of cricket. Find better odds at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858.
1: Welcome back to the Friday night, Betfair Edge. Miles Fitzner, Darren Parkin with you. All thanks to Betfair. Get more from the Aussie summer of cricket. Find better odds at betfair.com.au. As always, gamble responsibly. If it becomes an issue, call 1-800-858-858. It is time for the Friday forecast. Looking forward to this with you, Dash. We'll start away. What is uh let's go doomsday scenario first. What's your doomsday scenario?
2: I think the doomsday scenario probably centers out of the Renegades Hurricanes match in the Big Bash for your your Saturday evening. They're two sides who I know the Renegades have won a title and the Hurricanes have made a couple of finals, but they're probably the two most frustrating sides. You could throw the Stars in there, but I just don't think they're much good, uh, whereas the Renegades and the Hurricanes have always had talent, and they're two sides that can lose from anywhere, as the Hurricanes demonstrated in front of your eyes last night. Playing each other, there's only a game separating them on the table. Loser of that match, particularly if it's Hobart in really big trouble. So, um, yeah, two sides that have a habit of, of bottling it. Coming up against each other
1: in a mini final. I am going with uh, this test match is a draw. Mm. Um, that's a doomsday scenario for me. Um, bat too long, bad weather, and they don't get the Australians don't get a result out of it, um, and it's a draw. Uh, I think that's a doomsday scenario. I think that I think they we'll need to be smarter and work around it better. Cricket Australia and uh, and the Australian cricket team. So they need a result this test match. Let's go to most at stake. I found this one the hardest. What have you got? Most at stake,
2: very similar to what you just said, test cricket overall. I was reading somewhere that South Africa aren't scheduled to tour here in the next five-year block. They don't like coming here in summer. Uh, We obviously know a number of other sides are uncompetitive. I'm worried about, given these pop-up T20 leagues, about what the future of test cricket actually looks like. Outside of Australia v. England v. India, those three teams... It worries me. In 10 years' time, what conversation are we actually going to be having about uh, about Test cricket? I think they've got a bit to think about.
1: Oh, I'm going with Djokovic. If he loses um, some of these sort of matches that he's just meant to win, it uh, won't be good for the Australian Open, I don't think. So most at stake for the Joker. And then we'll go to your sure thing for the weekend.
2: Sure thing. I actually don't mind what well, I know you guys that are racing gurus, but it's at Rose Hill Passagiata in race three on debut. One very, very easily drops back in weight as well. So, um, yeah, reasonably confident in that one.
1: I'm going uh, to the Gold Coast, Alentia, race six, number nine. We saw this horse just destroy the clock. I very rarely make a horse, my sure thing. But I thought, why not? As return this week, uh, come back, and that will be my sure thing. Race six, number nine, Alentia. Let's go now to our uh, best bets. My money don't jiggle jiggle It falls. I like to see you wiggle, wiggle for sure. Well, I take it your best bet's going to be Passagioata. Yes, it certainly
2: is. Um, yeah, hope, fingers crossed. Price not too bad on the exchange at the moment, so worth a crack.
1: A uh, couple for me. Race six, number nine, Alentia, Of course, go to Sandown. Race uh, nine, number one, Unflinching. Race three, number nine, Worst Fold. And then back to the Gold Coast, race five, number nine, queer up That's how you say it. Now it's time for our lay of the day. Lay of the day time. Short on time, Dash. What's Laying
2: a- the Hurricanes. Based on what I was saying earlier, I think they're in trouble.
1: I'm going to put my, uh, you know what, on the block. I am going to lay Frumos. Race five, number four, Frumos at Rose Hill. Um, if it's heavy, it brings it in. But if we get a soft track or better, I think that's going to be the lay of the day. That wraps up the show. Dash, really enjoyed you on. Um, we might have to do it more often. Oh,
2: pleasure. I'll hopefully be back again soon, but I'm sure Tommy will be uh, itching to get back in the seat.
1: That's if he survives uh, the <laughs> Gold Coast. Mate, have a great weekend and enjoy. You too. That's all we have time for on the Friday night Betfair Edge. Back and lay all big bash markets and play your way at betfair.com.au. As always, gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. And don't forget, if you miss any of the show, head to the SEN app. Go to Betfair Edge on the podcast.